Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Gridcoin Fireside, your tri-monthly podcast covering Gridcoin's news and exploring the decentralized science system. Today is February 20th and we're going to be talking about Gridcoin economics. Sparse as they are, they're pretty interesting and they are going to play a pivotal role if we're, we being Gridcoin is ever going to break into the DSI system. But first, I want to let, to know, let it be known that you are welcome to join us every Thursday at 8 p.m. EST on the Gridcoin Discord server, and you're welcome to take part in the discussion through the text chat or the voice chat. All you got to do is talk. And now before we get to the main discussion, there is a couple news things. Uh, and first to start it off, who's Terrence Lee, who is, uh, comes by a lot, just posted a really cool article coming out of MIT, posted today, uh, titled Artificial Intelligence Yields a New Antibiotic. That is pretty cool. Um, I just gave it a quick scan. Apparently, they used uh, basically the same concept of Boink, except not distributed computing, from what I can tell, but just computational science, to find an uh, antibacterial antibiotic that destroys cell membranes. So yeah, it destroys all AB-resistant bacteria, and uh, it seems like it's not going to become... Uh, is, is the way it attacks the cell membrane is not an easy thing for bacteria to become resistant to. So uh, if it turns out to be a actually a feasible compound to put into a drug and to use on humans, cool, because bacteria, uh, AB-resistant bacteria, is really, uh, really bad. And the way they did it, uh, they didn't use Boink. Like I said, they didn't use distributed computing, but same concept is they had millions of compounds, hundreds of millions of compounds, and they narrowed it down to a couple to test in a lab, and then they tested those things in a lab, and bang, boom, presto. <laughs> I don't know, some magic happens, and they have this new thing, uh, and they want to keep using it to develop more uh, bacteria, antibacterials. Um, so, cool. That is what you are doing if you are doing medical projects with uh, Boink. You are basically doing that. I mean, like the microbiome project from World Community Grid is trying to do basic science, foundational science uh, with the microbiome. So identifying the bacterium in the gut and the viruses and determining, you know, how they interact, how they talk to each other, whether they use ropes and cups or like 5G uh, inside your body uh, or... oh, dude. <laughs> I bet you Miss Frizzle is in there just uh, driving between the bacteria, dropping messages off. But um, yeah, who knows? Uh, and then you've got projects like Rosetta at Home, GPU Grid. Um, those are the two that come to mind right off the bat. Uh, GPU Grid doesn't, I don't think they really say what their protein folding does, uh, but they just uploaded a brand new batch, a really, really hefty batch, so they say, um, for protein folding with your video card. Uh, I think it's NVIDIA only, but I'm not entirely sure. Double check on that at boink.berkeley.edu slash projects.php. And then Rosetta at Home does um, protein folding for different companies and for their own research labs. And in fact, right now they are working on part of the coronavirus. They are trying to identify a spike uh, that they can target with drug resistant, or, well, that they can target with um, antivirals. And a spike is the thing on the outside of the virus that lets it attach to other cells and uh, basically do harm. So if you can identify a spike that can be targeted with uh, antivirals, then you can kill the virus. That's the thinking, at least. So that's pretty cool. That is Rosetta at home if you want to work on that coronavirus project. However, they are huge tasks, the coronavirus tasks. They require a lot of memory. Uh, and the tasks are thrown in with all their other tasks. So you, the way you participate is just throw your 
computation cycles at Rosetta at home. And that's it. That's all you can do in terms of choosing what work to do. So you're going to get tasks that are working on other projects as well. And you might even have the hardware to do the uh, coronavirus tasks, although likely you will. They just take a lot of memory. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, if anyone from Rosetta is listening, it would have been awesome if they did a news release on that, because that is amazing, just public driving information to get that out, that you're working on coronavirus. People will flock to it. In fact, I made a post on Reddit and on one of the coronavirus uh, threads, and it got a lot of attention because people are like, oh, coronavirus, I can help. And then from that, they come into Rosetta at home. You know, you tell them that there's a bunch of other projects doing protein folding and other stuff. And they're like, oh, wait, what? What is this madness? And they go and check out the other stuff. And <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> Bang, boom, presto. They're now part of the Boink network and helping do science across the board from astronomy to cryptography. So that would have been awesome, but we still got the word out. So whatever, keep going. Uh, what else? What else? I think that's it for general science stuff. We got some grid coin news here. Spoogle is back and he just made a post uh, declaring or making it known that Gridcoin has a community on uh, Steemit. So Steemit is a platform a lot of people in the Gridcoin community use. And uh, they just implemented this new uh, UX called a community. And we've got one. So go check it out. Uh, I don't entirely know how to get there. I will try to put the link in the description of this uh, podcast, but we can't really do descriptions anymore, but whatever. And Steam Gridcoin is back. I think this is run by Ragnarok. Uh, Ragnarok, correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, the Steam SBI program is back under the handle Steam Gridcoin on Steam. Uh, again, same thing as the Steam at community. Uh, and basically that's helping upvote, upvote some posts on Steam. So go ahead and check that out. Moving forward, we had another state of the network report. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and you can check that out. We had another monthly report. Uh, cool stuff going forward. Development is in a, you know, still grinding in at the um, team requirement removal on the fern update. Uh, I think there was a big, big thing that is being developed, but folks are busy. So it's still grinding along. It did not hit that New Year's projection as some folks were projecting, but still moving forward. Uh, what else? What else? The Boink Radio Podcast, which is hosted by myself and Delta, who sometimes joins us for this show, uh, has put out a bunch of new episodes talking about Boink specifically, you can listen to those at boink.network. That is a website. Oh, and Delta also has put out two project briefs since last we spoke, one on CPDN and the other on Radioactive at Home. You can listen to both of those at boink.network as well. All right, so that's good for the news. Gridcoin economics. Um, oh, yeah. Do they even exist? No. <laughs> to introduce this really quick, Grid. All of these things are cryptocurrencies, right? So they're currencies at the root. And I was explaining this to someone before. So just earlier today, they're all currencies. And just like any currency that people are familiar with in the fiat system, the US dollar, the euro, the pound, the yen, the lira, all of them are dependent on their networks that back them. So the US dollar is backed by the US government network. The euro is backed by the European Union network. The pound is backed by who knows, right? <laughs> oh, no, no one, not even a pitter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and at the, the, what these networks do on many different levels, uh, 
either directly to their currency or, you know, the U.S. government goes to war a lot. And every time they go to war, it affects the currency. Uh, so what these currencies, what these networks do affects their currency. Uh, what they also do on an economic level. So taxes, tax cut, spending, um, tariffs, that sort of stuff. Minting. Minting is a big thing nowadays. Affects the um, currency. So uh, same thing in any of these cryptocurrency networks. Bitcoin is a very big one. You can, I mean, it's still tiny compared to any other currency, but uh, what the developers do and what the network behind the currency do affects uh, how Bitcoin functions, you know, Lightning Network, um, what else are they doing? Whether or not they implement smart contracts. Ethereum is a great example too, because they're doing this new Ethereum 2.0 proof of stake. That's going to affect the the net or the currency, and that's a decision by the network. And then you have the protocol. So the protocol has, and this protocol aspect is unique to cryptocurrencies. While fiat networks have protocols in them, the protocol is generally this guy makes a decision and implements it. With a uh, for example, in the U.S., this Mnuchin and the people around Mnuchin, they make a decision. How much do they print all this stuff? Or you have the, um, oh boy, I'm blanking. You have the Fed, whatever the real name is, uh, making decisions on interest rates for loans. and The Reserve? Yeah, but the board management, the management board. FOMC, I think. I don't know. It's been a long day. The uh, bank. Thank you. <laughs> you have the Supreme federal court, central bank deciding how much money to loan to banks to you know, you know let circulate through the economy. There's a lot of stuff going on with the U.S. repo uh, rates right now, and the Fed's just printing money to inject into a failing financial system. So those are individuals making so decisions. So you for it? Doing it. <laughs> so currencies, cryptocurrencies, take all those decisions and put them into a protocol. So. While the uh, Fed can just print money and give it to banks at zero interest loans, uh, a network protocol, a cryptocurrency can't do that. In the Bitcoin protocol, for example, there is a set amount of Bitcoin that will ever be made, 21 million, and that is minted in a very mathematical way uh, where you're not, that's not going to change. Uh, it, and there's blocks, rewards. And there's it could capital, change. For practical purposes, it's not going to change. They could change it, though. They would have to fork it. And then so to bring that into it, the way it would change is you would just another part of the protocol is the block size. And some people wanted to change the block size and the people who run Bitcoin because it's a huge network based on beliefs, just like any other network in the fiat system. Those people that run Bitcoin said, you're not going to change it. So the people who wanted to change the block size had to go make their own currency. Uh, so all of those things are part of the protocol. So when you look at Gridcoin's currency, the economics of it, you have to look at what's part of the protocol and how does the network around it make decisions uh, outside of the protocol and how do those decisions affect the currency as a whole. So uh, anyone want to talk about the economics in the protocol part of Gridcoin? All right. So the protocol of Gridcoin says that there is not a set number of Gridcoin. It is a uh, protocol defined inflationary currency. It's actually a disinflationary currency where uh, inflation rate is something. I'm. This is not the real number. I don't have it in front of me. Let's say it's five percent. And that's not the after, real number. <laughs> after ten years, it's going to be three percent. Uh, so it disinflates over time, uh, and it won't. I don't think it will ever get close to zero unless you know we change it. We will probably change it in the future. Maybe, maybe we'll be able to change the future. But the uh, so that's one part of the protocol. Uh, that's really the only part. 
uh, is a proof of stake currency. That's part of the economics. So that means people uh, are incentivized. Incentives, another critical part of an economic network. Uh, the, the people in Gridcoin are incentivized to hold their coins and actively throw them into the network through this process called staking. And um, I shouldn't say throw, actively lock their coins into the network in a process called staking, which then gives them uh, bonus rewards and helps secure the network. Uh, without people staking, many, many, many different people staking, the network would be very insecure. Uh, then we have uh, the dual incentive structure uh, which is a pretty cool mechanism where the coins that are minted so in bitcoin the coins that are minted all go to block producers in gridcoin the coins that are minted uh, a small percentage goes to block producers so those people locking gridcoin into the network and staking and then uh, the second portion the majority of coins uh, goes to people uh, contributing computation cycles to boink projects now to receive their boink rewards the, the for a user who is contributing cycles to point projects for them to receive their grc um they have to stake a block uh in my humble opinion that is a very flawed system but as it stands that's the way it is and that incentivizes people to buy grid coin at a stake it's not scalable it won't work moving down the line moving down the road but that's the way it has always been and that's the way it will probably be for the foreseeable future um probably <laughs> But uh, that is one part of it. That is a very big part of it. Uh, let's see, what else? The block reward, so the reward stakers get for staking a block is constant at 10 GRC. Um, that I also don't think will work well into the future, but that will work for the foreseeable future. Uh, it's called a constant block reward. Uh, it doesn't let us play with the economics very well, but stabilize the network we transitioned to a cbr system from a apr system and the apr system had no incentive to it whatsoever it was uh, fairly ridiculous um and now people are at least incentivized to help secure the blockchain uh before in the apr system they were not what else do we do with our economics um that was that was a lot that was a lot to go off of i think it's the whole thing i mean it's not <laughs> that's really no, and that's pretty much economics anyone who went to get a degree oh. in this is pretty much a chump um <laughs> yeah. No, the we, there's not many economics in the Gridcoin protocol. The other incentive is the voting part. So the more so, coins you so, have, the more voting power you have, uh, and voting so, helps guide decision making. Go ahead. So let me let me just clarify. I think we should have done this at the very beginning, to be to be fair. Um, but but let's just define economics for a moment. Um, a lot of people see economics as a financial kind of system, right? But I mean, the simple fact that degrees exist in finance and degrees exist in economics is, is kind of like, why would both of them exist if, if economics is all about money, right? Economics is not all about money. Economics is easily, uh, is, is the best defined, simply put, as um, the study of flow of resources or goods, knowing that there is a final, uh, there's a finite or limited amount, right? So economics really only applies to things that have some level of, um, or it, it can apply to pretty much anything, obviously, but but it, it best applies to um, researching and using the flow of goods, knowing that there is a limited amount of them. So technically speaking, there's not really too much of a real economic system in, in, a, in a coin that's not finite. I mean, it, you can still study the economics of the flow of it, um, but there's not too much of a point if it's not finite other than for a classical research or, or the explanation of in context. So yeah, just, just to be clear, right. And I'm sure someone will try and correct me on little nuances of that. That's always been what I was taught when, um, 
when I studied this and did my papers on it. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah. I don't know if that helps put this in context of, right, that the limited amount is what gives the economic aspect the more researchability or the more, the more um, uh, I, I guess, interest, right? Because it's, it's how it's distributed, it's how, the, it's how the resources become distributed is more of the interest. Money and the research, and that more or less comes into play mainly because uh, the flow of money is such a easy thing to track and use as a metric. Um, but it's not necessarily the entire goal or, or core of economics per se. So, right, economics is the management of resources. Our resources are computer cycles. No, uh, the coin study of not management. Okay, but the, so the way the protocol manages or studies these uh, resources is through the uh, the uh, so one of the resources is cycles securing the blockchain, and that's coins for staking. Uh, cycles going to boink. That is the dual incentive structure. Uh, so yeah. So, the, but you're right. There's, there's not much going on in the Gridcoin protocol. So that's but why no, I was no, I didn't, I didn't just say it. I did. I, oh, sorry, just, sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. But uh, just to be clear, I didn't say that. I just want to make sure we all define the fact that it's when we talk about economics, right? It's it's just we put it. We have to put it into scope in terms of limited quantity of something and the distribution of or 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 that, right? So that. That just in broad terms, I just want to make sure that we're not, when we say economics, we're not talking about finances of. That's not what we're discussing. We're, we're discussing economics is more about the manipulation, distribution, and overall study of that object, knowing that there is only a, a limited amount to be distributed and how it is distributed in the most classical terms that can be stated, right? So I just, I just, again, I just want to make a distinction of monetary and economic, not to make it sound super boring and kill off <laughs> some of those, some points. I just want to make a very clear distinction between monetary and economical. Okay, so moving forward, what should Gridcoin do with its economics, with its uh, economic system, with its economy? Let's not say economics, that's not the study of it. Continue forward, nothing's wrong. Come join us here, <laughs> we're perfect. My wife laughed. The, uh, um, is, is, as I said at the beginning, uh, the way you, the cool thing about cryptocurrencies is that you can play with the economics of them. You can play with the economy of them. You can make people do interesting stuff. You can have people stake things in the protocol, in the network, and add to the economy of the network. You can make a vibrant economy, or you can have a fairly dead economy. Uh, so you have Ethereum, which has an insanely vibrant economy, and is only getting more so. So it is a great model to go off of how could Gridcoin grid maybe take what Ethereum is doing and apply it to the scientific system. Any ideas? Couldn't find my button. Um, <coughs> um, scientific research is technically limited, right? Um, again, compensation on that, uh, on, that, on that scientific research is how we currently distribute, right? Um, but if, and again, follow me, crazy idea, right? Should be down, don't care. Um, but in, in, in an interesting way, what if instead of contributing research cycles like CPU power um, and data sets to the blockchain, um, people earn GRC by um, open sourcing their research papers to the, to the blockchain? It's a really interesting idea. Right, like they effectively say, like if 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 they can, if we can prove that it's a unique paper, in that you know we're not getting duplicates constantly, um, it can effectively it would it w it could go through the voting system of being accepted or not. So there would be a blockchain aspect to it, and then that paper would be brought in and compensated based off of either the um, I don't want to say the burn value of the votes because I like that the fact that the votes burn something because that's you know it helps with our overall economy, um, but um, but there could be either a um, part of the part of the daily 
or monthly kitty or whatever it is, or or that counts as churning because they did man hours technically. So part of the part of the churning um, uh, kitty that goes uh, like the uh, the the, the um, I'm sorry I'm losing words, but but you know what I'm saying like some like what, like some of the kitty or dedicated um, release of uh, GRC daily could technically go towards a research paper um, that someone that someone submitted and was uh, processed and accepted via the voting system. Um, because that's technically, you know, our, our core of contributing to science and anything attached to our uh, blockchain would be considered open source and accessible to the public. So to tie that back to the DSI episode, that would be tackling the publishing section of the scientific system and decentralizing it. That is a very viable option. Yeah, and we could just then put it on the website or something like that. Here you go, available for download. Well, we technically go into like a block explorer and find it. Yeah, someone but, would make a portal similar to Steam it or Steam Peak to interact with the blockchain. And they would have to build a good UX and UI, and uh, then they can. Or again, just take that. a copy of it and put it on the website. Say these are open source documents that we provide. Yep, yep, yep. Even if it's just a link to it, because then we have to deal with like hosting, you know, gigs of stuff. Awesome. What would keep a uh, publisher from or a researcher from uh, spamming the network or publishing trash? Uh, again, the voting system. So someone the voting system would have to have a link to the actual paper that's being submitted, so that it can be either so... reviewed or or evaluated by um, our like someone internally. You're right, though, that we don't have a crazy ton of scientists. Forget right. about that part. That part is uh, pretty straightforward. Getting to yeah. But if I had, if I wanted to break that system, I would just submit five million papers with the letter A in it, and then those people would have to go through and review them all. It would just take all their time. So what's stopping me from doing that? Nothing. There's got to be a way. And what's stopping you from submitting a penny on your credit card? to the point where it crashes a transactional system. Just the Very fact good that, question. Why, What's why, stopping me? Well, absolutely nothing. Well, I mean, there's special What's stopping system. me from spamming the blockchain with transactions? Uh, not much other than the fact that, I mean, there's, there's usually just slight systems in place that recognize and give a small timeout of, okay, you, you submitted it, chill, you know, take a, take, take, a, take a chill pill and sit in the corner for like six hours. Yeah, but I can still attack that. Barton, Barton says yeah. in the chat here, fees. That's, yes. Oh, darn, I'm in the wrong chat. I mean, I'll see this. <laughs> All right, so there's fees on a sliding scale. The more transactions that get put into the network, the more expensive it is to submit a paper. Uh, and so it becomes impossible to um, to just flood the network, to DOS it. I, I yeah. honestly didn't notice any of this chat was happening because I was in a different chat. And I was like, nobody's talking today. So what would stop me from submitting uh, trash to destroy the reputation of the network? Not flooding the network, just uh, submitting BS papers uh, in a way that they might get accepted even by the most reputable reviewer. Say that again. I apologize. Let's say I submit a paper. I'm trying to destroy the network's reputation. So similar to what people did on Bitcoin where they, uh, what did they do? They put a link to child porn on the blockchain, on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, that is a threat that still faces uh, them. So if we're taking publishing papers, if we're taking papers, scientific papers, uh, uh, and yes, they're being vetted, but what's to stop me from making a really, really good fake that's just really wrong, but is going to get past the review process? Nothing. I mean, but here's the thing. And, and, I, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but just to be clear, that happens every day with every single source ever. Oh, yeah. The current so publishing like, system's shit. I mean, yeah, sorry. So, like, I'll, so, I'll so how are we supposed <laughs> to beat? I mean, we're, we're supposed to make things more accessible, but you can't. We can't beat every aspect of the current publishing system. We can't be better peer reviewers without being scientists, while also being better publishers without being a publisher, while also making things free without 
money. You know what I mean? So well, does um, hmm. in the current system, uh, a researcher. I tried to talk about this last week, and I can't talk about it well. Where does stake uh, operate? Where does stake exist in the current system? And is there a way that usually, cryptography can change that? Usually, stake exists in cows. <laughs> so. What happens in DeFi? <laughs> gonna gloss right over that. <laughs> what happens in DeFi is you have to put a stake in the system, and once you have a heavy stake in the system, um, it, you are less likely. There's, I don't think there's a way to completely stop the scenario I'm describing, but there's a way to make it unlikely to happen. Uh, so once you put a stake in the system, you're less likely to try to destroy that system. So there, that's a principle that we can implement. It's similar to how staking in a proof of stake system operates and the way it secures itself is like, like if someone buys all these coins or spends the time to mine all these coins, it's unlikely they're going to uh, double spend on that blockchain because then all their work uh, is for not, uh, all of their coins are now worthless once they've double spent because that blockchain is uh, flawed. Uh, so the goal is to make it the way that blockchain security works is to make it more expensive to destroy the blockchain than it would be just to operate legitimately within the blockchain. So we want to make it more expensive to destroy the publishing system that we create than it would be to just simply do good science and operate within the blockchain. <laughs> so I think there are ways we can play with the economics, the economy there, to make it pretty interesting. What if someone... yeah. Uh, there, I think there are interesting ways to play with the system there, and you can do uh, incentivization with it, and a lot of really fun stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. What are you guys talking about in the chat here? You guys doing down there? You guys, yeah, okay. So you could have a system of uh, curation, which is what you guys are describing. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, in the chat, they're talking about having like uh, a master key where only the person with the master key can add a paper to the blockchain. Same problem would exist. What if someone is able to get past the review board and get it to the get their paper to the point where their master key or <laughs> is adding the paper to the blockchain? That problem still exists. But the curation concept is pretty interesting because you could have publishing houses within the blockchain who build their own reputation without having to have the master key. So you could have a paper that is added by the Goblin Popper curation stream and they Gallup Hopper has spent five years and has staked six million grid coin into the network and has over those five years has built up a really solid reputation of doing good science and publishing good science. And when he makes a mistake, he owns up the mistake and removes the well, you can't I would never do that. Recants the <laughs> recants the, the bad science. So in the future, as Goblin continues to publish through his creation stream, people trust that creation stream. And then you have the um, chocolate stream, which is just just trash, just trash, you know? So he no, can- this, this, <laughs> I like this reality. This is a good reality. So he can continue. Chocolate can still publish. It's an open system. Anyone can come in permissionless. So there's no master key here. But Chocolate can publish all the papers he wants. But Maybe there's no views, and maybe if there's a P2P storage system in there, those papers kind of die out and maybe get pruned along the way because no one is seeding those papers. Uh, maybe. So that takes the concept of centralization where you have a curator, uh, but the curator is not 
saying what good science is, their reputation is. So the way the current system works is you it started in the way I just described. You had a bunch of these curators and they all were publishing science. Science was very exciting. And then one curator bought the other curator and then bought the other curator and then bought the other curator. And now there's like what? Elsevier? <laughs> like five or six publishing houses for science. And uh, no one else can enter the market easily. Uh, so that's a that's an issue. So we want to restart what started the current system, the legacy system, with intention. We see what can go bad with a le- that type of legacy system where you can centralize quickly. We want to make it so nodes can pop in and out of existence uh, with ease. It's kind of the way that YouTubers work. So in order to make a TV show in the legacy system, is that the legacy? I guess you would have to go to a network and get funded and produce the TV show, produce a pilot and show the pilot off. And then maybe a network picks you up. With YouTube, you just make a video. And if you do it well, you become famous. There's like so many kids shows now are just like, what's the one with like a 12 year old that just like, I don't know. He's just a kid, and he's one of the uh, yeah. Most it's popular. review. It's reviews toys or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like he didn't need to go to a network or anything. Like that. he just made uh, videos with his parents, and they became popular. It was the market wanted it? Uh, and that kid makes way, way too much money. No, it's ridiculous. And it's and it's what's crazy is like um like I mean I, I watch YouTube a decent amount, but it's um it's just funny because like when I go out and I see kids and I were or newer parents talking about their kids two to like six um. I literally hear them say, did you YouTube that? Did you watch that on YouTube? Like every single parent will say that about <laughs> literally everything. And like the kids yeah. like, where did you hear about that? Oh, YouTube. And it's like, what? It's like, like the amount of stuff that kids consume on YouTube right now is, is like insane. Like I, I used to think I used to watch a lot of videos, but like that's effectively what TV was for a lot of us when we were younger is what YouTube is for kids right now. But it's not because that TV system, when we were younger, you had to make a pilot and put forward a lot oh, of No, 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 the system's different. Pilot. I'm just saying in terms of consumption, in terms of the market on that area. Yeah, and for every rich 12-year-old that's top of YouTube, there are 5 Because there's million, many of them, so many of them. Yeah. <laughs> there are 5 million bad ones that just the market did not accept for one reason or another, either no exposure or bad. But Or, or their parents were forcing them to make videos. <laughs> and they, they weren't, their joy wasn't there, right? Uh, so the YouTube model is brilliant, but centralized. They had the master key. So what happened is in the early days of YouTube, you know, anything goes within reason, uh, none of nothing illegal, essentially. Uh, and then as YouTube has um, become a centralized platform, uh, they now are throwing their um, their power stick around, and they're demonetizing things, they're shadow banning things, they're uh, doing that thing where you just make it so you can't find the video through the search bar, whatever the word is for that. Uh, it, and it's you know it failed. That was a really quick twenty years of a really cool system from sort of decentralized, anyone can enter, sort of permissionless. Anyone can enter and have their shot. And uh, it went from permissionless to incredibly permissioned really quick. Uh, So we want to make that uh, permissionless system. Anyone can do science. Anyone can publish a paper uh, and get it out there. And if the market wants it, you get get the points for doing, doing well. Your game of there's maybe a gamification aspect in there, and you're rewarded monetarily. That's also really cool. So you don't just get this badge. I love you, Boink. I love badges, but you get a badge that will buy you breakfast. Uh, and then with that 
badge that can buy you breakfast with that breakfast, you do more science. So you create this loop. Uh, but we want to make a system where that can't get funneled into a centralized system in the future. And the way you do that, I think, is by playing with the economics of the system and some of the concepts. Goblin, I think you brought up a really good idea. And some of the concepts uh, behind that would really flesh out and liven up the economy of Gridcoin. MRC. Uh, I'm going to kill this topic and move to MRC. So if anyone wants to continue talking about this, uh, speak now or moving on. All right. So MRC is another way to expand the uh, economy of the network. Um, so fees are what Barton said, keep people from dosing the blockchain with transactions. Uh, fees with MRC, which is manual rewards claims, which is, uh, I mentioned the, uh, what I would say, poorly thought out uh, mechanism where you have to stake to get your grid coin that you earned from Boinking, uh, MRC would replace that where you can click a button. You can stake to get your grid coin. That would be for free. With MRC, you can click a button and get your grid coin uh, in the next block. And that would be for a fee because otherwise people would just click that button nonstop without even trying to break the network. Because um, <laughs> people just like clicking buttons. If you put a button there, people are going to click it. So if you create the sliding scale of fees, you create this entire fluid. Um, I'm trying not to use the word beautiful, but this this thing that would add a layer to the economy that would just look nice and function well and raise funds and increase rewards for people who are staking blocks. You could then have on top of that people who are staking who want to be MRC stakers maybe so that because it's going to cost a little more resource to stake an MRC block, I think the way it looks like it will be developed. Um, so these people volunteer themselves to be people who will stake an MRC block. I don't know if that's reasonable at all, incredibly stupid, uh, but that as another actor in the network, similar to how oracles could become a, an incentivized actor within the network and create another really pretty layer of economics beyond just stakers and boinkers. Uh, oracle nodes could be incentivized. You could have large entities fighting to become oracle nodes, similar to how um, people want to become, uh, what do they call them, witnesses in DPoS systems or whatever the that semi-centralized node is, except the difference here is the oracle node does not control the root blockchain. They control the uh, taking of data from outside the blockchain and injecting it into the blockchain. So the risk of having that centralized, semi-centralized system decreases rapidly. Um, a master node, yes, Barton, is another word for it, except, again, they wouldn't control the actual blocks being created. They would be a super block aggregators, I suppose. Uh, all they're doing is taking uh, data from outside of the blockchain and putting it into a block. Uh, and that is an intensive task. You can't have every node on the blockchain doing that because you end up dosing any system that you're taking stats from. So we dosed Boink projects multiple times because we would be taking stats from the. Everyone would try to take stats, or a large number of people would try to take stats from their servers, and it's that's not cool. So really, most master nodes don't do block generation. What do they do? I thought master nodes are like you have to buy a bunch of what? I thought master nodes are block generators. <laughs> If I'm mistaken, I'm mistaken. My bad. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> okay. Well then, maybe I like that idea in a to an extent. The idea that they're not controlling the, the block, but uh, they're helping aggregate data. But you can add an incentivization layer to our articles. 
cool economic effects there. Incentivize people to do different stuff. So there's some fee economics we could bring in. In the fee economy, we could develop a scientific economy based on some of the principles of the decentralized scientific system. Uh, We talked about publishing. That's one. You could do it for every structure in that system, I think, at least. Uh, And... There was another. Oh, well, outside of science, you could try and do uh, treasury systems. Um, some coins are doing this. I think Engine just did one, just implemented one. BitShares does one. Uh, I think Steam just started one. Lots of coins are trying to do treasury systems. Uh, I've been trying to put out a skeleton proposal several years ago about it, but it would be uh, a great way to fund lots of stuff, including science. Um, and... I think that's all I got for economy. No. Who is seriously asked, is the goal of economy to grow itself? An economy is, an economic system is a system by which resources are managed. So define grow, I guess, would be my response to that. Define size. Is GDP market cap? No, the goal of an economic system would not be, I my anything I would be part of would not be to pump market cap. Uh, it, that's the question. So that question is a heavy question. Like, do you, is GDP, the goal of uh, fiat, of legacy economic systems is to grow GDP at a steady rate, right? And maintain inflation and all this nonsense. GDP is kind of BS. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Uh, inflation, the CPI index is, ridiculous it doesn't make sense uh and people are now trying to really force in changes onto these metrics because it all makes sense so when you say is the goal of an economy to manage to grow no i mean it could grow in six different directions a a goal of an economy is to fluidly shift between needs maybe at one point an economy really needs to develop a cure for a virus maybe another point an economy really needs to develop space travel Maybe an economy needs to transition uh, from in, in dis, uh, basic industry to war industry. Uh, these shifts in, in, in economies happen often. Uh, and when you shift from one thing to another, yeah, you're, you're growing, but you're growing in a direction. You're expanding your arm. So the U.S. economy over the past 150 years has grown. Uh, farming has shrunk from like the number of people farming from 80% to some single digit percentage. So did it grow? If I'm a farmer, the economy shrank. Uh, so that's a heavy question. So I don't think the goal should be to grow. Now you can say, all right, coal, coal developed, the economy grew. Okay, coal destroyed natural habitats of many species, polluted the water, destroyed our air. Uh, did the economy grow? GDP went up. Uh, all those resources are now gone. So our economy did it grow? I don't know. I don't think growth is a measurable thing. Growth is an illusion. So is death. If anyone gets that reference, please PM me, because that's a great reference. <laughs> uh, um, maybe growth is a consequence. I like that idea. But again, I don't think growth is a thing uh, in economies. Uh, is crypto capitalistic? That's, that means to be seen, I would say. I don't know if anyone else has thoughts. I'm happy to wax poetical on it for two minutes. So crypto is supposed to be anarchist. Uh, anarcho-capitalist, maybe uh, crypto-anarchist, definitely. Um, but you know, all these labels are—they don't work uh, very well. They're ways for people to attack things generally instead of be parts of things. Uh, and 
it's always been a question like, okay, what's going to happen as all these networks develop? Are we going to see people buying other networks? That's really, that's an odd thing to see. Is that possible for like the US dollar to buy the euro? Forget that the US dollar is what it is, but like on a completely open system, would that be possible? And nowadays we're seeing Tron buy Steam uh, and we're we're seeing that sort of action instead of interoperability. So you're right, Tron bought Steam it, my bad. So it's they bought it by buying a huge share of Steam tokens, though. So it's interesting, right? I haven't read too much on it, but that's what I understand. Um, so someone definitely knows more than me on that. But I'm just waxing poetical here. So uh, I think that I think it still remains to be seen. But I think that many of the original developers of this space from the 80s and onward are uh, pretty dead set on an interoperable future where you have many different networks, many different economies, each representing a different value set, maybe representing the same value set, but you know, um, so the science coin, the, the platform share, the, the content sharing platform, the data sharing platform, the what have you, uh, currency, currency, not platform. And you, uh, these, these currencies are fluid. You can interoperate, you, you can, um, you can exchange easily between them, the data and the currency. Uh, it, and so the differentiation is a purely market concept where at one point society wants one more than the other. So that one's worth more. Um, so it turns into predicting if, if you want to play the market in that sense, it's like turning into predicting or yeah, predicting industries in the stock market. So do you think biomed's going to be a big thing? Do you think farming's coming back? Do you think coal is going to be the new hot topic dude <laughs> like electric cars space travels all, the, all that stuff so you're doing that same concept if you're playing markets in that sense but you're predicting what society is going to need in terms of a currency instead of a stock uh, so that's capitalistic i guess but it's also market it's not about concentration of wealth and power it's about having many different options it's about freedom of choice uh you could argue maybe i guess some people would argue that's capitalism <laughs> but i would say that's anarchy and that's my that's my poem for the day any other thoughts on the grid coin economy before we wrap this sucker up uh sharknado says growth in the terms of growth in uh grid coin and boink uh equals better distribution uh that would be a see this is growth doesn't work like not that example but the definition that would be a socialist or a communist version of what growth is growth is moving towards a more financially equitable system where money is not held by a few people but held by uh, more or less equally by many people uh to a capitalist that is regression uh yeah so it's an interesting question definitely what is growth is the goal of an economy to grow itself if an economy is the management of resources then it can't be the goal the goal can't be to grow itself because you run out of resource the goblin was saying the whole point of an economic system is there you're trying to manage finite things so you can't just continue to grow yeah you can you can totally continue to grow that question sharknado right there that's a beautiful question the question is what is healthier the goal of an economy is to make a healthier system and then it's much easier to define healthier than it is to define growth who just when when did that become the definition of economy is that what i said that's not what i meant is that the 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 question should be to make things healthier not the definition i i don't think the question should be to grow whether it's growth um but i've got to run so you guys can and we talking. leave you on that economical, <laughs> educational cliffhanger. I think uh, Gridcoin's got some potential here to wrap this sucker up in, uh, in terms of becoming an economic player, but it's got to do it. And uh, we'll see if it can.
I think it can. I think there's a great community here and some amazing developers moving forward. Uh, and it's built on top of Boink, and Boink is magical. Boink is a magical place. So uh, hold on tight, right? <laughs> so we'll see you next week at 8 p.m. EST on the Gridcoin Discord server. server. Feel free to join us. I know I dominated this one. I apologize, but I am on a time crunch today. So it is what it is. 